0: Today we get to wrap up summer on the mount. It's been a great journey for us as a church. It's been a great journey for me, personally, as we've been looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus's famous words, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And today we get to wrap that up as Jesus concludes this this sermon of powerful, powerful words. And. If you haven't been on the journey with us, uh, this journey started with Jesus talking about what does it mean to be a part of His kingdom? What type of people does He look for? And uh, people that that have a heart to desire to serve the Lord and uh, dealing with different life circumstances, different posture of the heart. Jesus says, um, kind of plainly, uh, you've heard it said this, but these are actually my people. As He talks about the condition of the heart, and then through the middle of the series, He kind of begins to talk about some specific contextual things in regards to the heart, and not looking at the surface, but looking down below, and he's about ready to wrap up this sermon series, or this sermon, I should say. Uh, Some would call it a sermon series uh, with some um, very um, challenging words. As we get started today, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, traffic signs, like traffic signs are important. Would you agree with that? Like paying attention to traffic signs Like, it could be a matter of life and death, right? And so we've been trained to learn traffic signs for the sake of safety for yourself and other people. So we're going to do a little test this morning to see how well you know your traffic signs. So first slide. Everybody, this is an easy one. What's that? Everybody knows that. It's a stop sign, right? All right. Let's see if you're correct. Yes, you are correct. What about this one? Like my 13-year-old son, almost 13-year-old son, like knows what that is. That's impressive. Um, Railroad sign, right? That was a little bit harder, I thought, but you guys did a good job. Um, This next one's like a softball toss. Yield. Okay, very good. This last one. I don't know what all is being said right now. What this is, is actually a warning sign. And very commonly, maybe it looks like this, like you might see this warning sign that the road is either windy or sometimes maybe it's slick. What's fascinating about this sign is it it changes. Like there's lots of different things that they'll put on there, but it's always some type of warning in regards to what's coming what's ahead now what's interesting is that Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 is actually giving us some warning signs he's giving us some warning signs in regards to what it means to follow him to trust him and the implications if we don't and so today's words we've been saying all throughout the summer man these are challenging words well Jesus just keeps anning it up and today, my heart's desire, as you look at these challenging words, is that you would allow them to penetrate your mind and your heart, which is what Jesus wants as well. What are these warning signs when it comes to following him? What are things that we need to be aware of? And how does he desire to want us to navigate those things? As we enter in, N.T. Wright says this, Choices matter. Actions and motives Matter. Learning to follow Jesus and to know God as Father matter. Eternal issues are at stake. Heaven, as I have stressed, is God's dimension, God's sphere of existence in the present, not simply destination in the future. But that doesn't mean that there aren't future destinies or that yours is not going to be shaped by the choices you make in the present. And as soon as you hear a little voice saying, maybe Jesus didn't mean it, Surely it can't have been that strict. Maybe it'll all come right in the end, no matter what we do. You need the next warnings. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Your translation might say, Wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it understanding gates in the first century is important in the first century uh, temples buildings cities had gates much like this one is the old jerusalem city gate it's essentially a pathway to whatever you want to enter in And what Jesus is using, this word picture, and he's using a lot of them actually in this section of scripture, is letting people know when it comes to experiencing life, life is how God intended it, that's how Jesus intended it, he said that it is narrow. And what that means is it's actually hard to enter into. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction. This sounds very similar to other Jesus' words where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the... And he goes on to say that no one can come to the Father except through me. What is that? What Jesus is saying is the gate is narrow. And I'm the one. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the one that stands there waiting and asking you to come and trust me and to follow me. And there's very few that find it. The reality of it is we have to recognize that most of the world will not understand the message and the way of Jesus. This is warning number one. Warning number one. That for the most part, the world is not going to understand that message. Uh, they may see Jesus as a great teacher. They may see him um, as possibly someone who's a liar, who deceived people. They may even see him as a crazy person who literally thought he was the son of God. But not everyone will understand that he is Lord. And the reality of it is, not only will the rest of the world oftentimes not understand that he is Lord, not understand that the way of following him is narrow, and there's very few who will find it, here's the reality is we have to be willing to look at ourselves and ask the question, am I following the narrow gate or the wide gate that leads to destruction? Jesus is going to talk about that here in a second. Verse 15, he goes on to say, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Warning number two, beware of false teachers who produce fruit. And the fruit oftentimes is lies, immorality, and greed. The reality is they will lead you astray. Jesus is kind of continuing on in this conversation about what it means to follow him. And we've been talking about this multiple weeks, over multiple weeks, in regards to don't be like the, you remember the key word, don't be like the hypocrites. hypocrites. Yeah. Don't be like the hypocrites. That on the outside, they look. Powerful, But on the inside, they're full of deception. They're full of lies. They're full of, um, as he's saying in this section, bad fruit. And it's a call and a reminder for us that the people that we listen to, we have to ask this question. Just because they look spiritual doesn't necessarily mean they're producing good fruit. But he says plainly that over time, that fruit will come true. Whatever you steward that's going on inside of you, that's what will eventually bear fruit. And so for us as followers of Jesus, it's important for us to continue the journey of listening to the shepherd's voice. But also, as we listen to the shepherd's voice through, through teachers and preachers and prophets and, and pastors and ministers, we always have to ask the question, like, what is the fruit that is, that is being born out of their Life, You should weigh the things that I say. You should take a look at my life and ask the question, is he bearing fruit? Not just me, but anybody that you listen to. What is the fruit that's being born? And are you willing to look and see, is this person truly trusting and following the Lord? Jesus presses in even more. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Beware of false obedience. What is false obedience? It's rooted in displaying spiritual power, but lacks truly knowing Jesus, having a personal relationship with him, where you talk to him, where he talks to you. Uh, it's, It's a passage that actually should shake us. It shakes me to think that there's going to come a day where I have to answer to Jesus. Did you notice that? In verse 22, it says that on that day, what is that day? Judgment day. What takes place in judgment day? Lots of commentary about it, and here's mine. On judgment day, yes, there'll be a separation of the sheeps and the goats, but the reality of it is, in regards to who knows Jesus, who doesn't know Jesus, that's going to take place on judgment day, the reality is, the majority of the conversation is going to be, what did you do in my name? And scripture talks about it that salvation is given to us plainly by Jesus, but that we will have to give an account for what we did with that salvation. Paul goes on to talk about the fact that some of you have entered in heaven and you just barely escaped the flames of heaven. You smell like smoke as you're entering into heaven. What is that? You believe and trusted in Jesus, but that's all you really did. And so for all of us, there's going to come a day where we have to, on that day, give an account. And on this passage, Jesus is saying that those who even display spiritual power, those that do things in his name, the question he's going to ask is, did I really know you? And did you really know me? What does it look like for us to not be motivated by the public, but be motivated by the small voice of Jesus that that's what rules and reigns over my life. That's what rules and reigns over your life. Knowing that every single one of us will have to give an account on that day. Matthew chapter 7. This is where I want to spend the majority of our time this morning. Jesus says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock i don't know about you but on the solid rock i stand is just ringing in my ears that old hymn but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who has built his house on sand everybody say sand The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. A couple key words. That word rock is the word petra. Everybody say petra. It means rock, cliff face, or ledge. And then we have amos, which is sand, sandy ground. Sand is only found in the Middle East in two places, the beach, and it's found in a wadi, everybody say wadi. wadi. What is a wadi? This is what a wadi is. It's the bottom of a dried up creek bed. If you go out into the Waihee desert, we've got wadis all over the place, very similar to Israel. And what Jesus is actually doing he's helping them understand what he's talking about. He's giving them another word picture, which is, this is what I love about Jesus is he helps us understand by giving us images. Giving us a a word picture or an experience. Kind of like Miyagi in Karate Kid, right? Like it just wasn't karate. It was like paint the fence, sand the floor, you know, wax on, wax off. And then he's learning karate in the process. Well, Jesus is doing the same thing. He's like, this is what it's like. This is what I'm talking about. So every single time they would go and they would navigate the hills of Israel and they would look at the cliffs and they would look at the dried up creek beds. They would be reminded of this that when you build your house on the rock, it's like obeying my commands. But if you disobey my commands, it's like building your house in the wadi. Now, this wadi right here is a little bit of water running through it. Most of the time, they're completely dry. Most of the time. Which, if you were to just live there, and you were naive, you'd go, oh, like, I could build a house there. It's dry but there's a little bit of water there no big deal like let's, let's let's put a house right here for all of you that love the summer you're like yeah that'd be great for you you guys that hate the hot desert you're like I would never build my house right there right like more like Stanley is what I'm talking about right but let me just show you what happens when storms come in this type of country let's take a look at this video it's a little long but I want you to notice what happens take a look I'm impressive, huh? we got to ask ourselves, like, what am I? What are you? What are we building our house on? And are we building our house in the middle of a wadi? And Jesus says that when the storms come, not it, but when they come, will our house be on the rock or will it be on the sand? And Jesus says plainly, if you build your life on his teaching, you'll be a part of his eternal kingdom. And so that kingdom, notice it says eternal. It starts now. Jesus says that he is ruling and reigning now. In the prayer that we read earlier, a couple weeks ago, uh, the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It starts now, and it continues on for all eternity. And so, if, you, if you're willing to choose to build your life on Jesus' teaching, you'll be a part of His eternal kingdom. The question then is, well, how do you do that? Well, He gives us the answer. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I love the word here because it really paints a picture as to what it is that he's inviting us into. That Greek word is akouo, and it's here. <laughs> It's the same word that's used in the Greek Septuagint, which is a a tool that's used to help understand Greek to Hebrew. Because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. New Testament is written in in Greek. And as we know, Greek's much more complex than Hebrew is. Hebrew is a simple man's language, which is the reason why I love Hebrew, because it's actually a very beautiful language. It has one word, and oftentimes there's multiple meanings. And so we see that actually take place here. The, The Hebrew word in the Septuagint His uh, the word Shema. Here we say Shema. If you know your Bible, you've heard of the Shema prayer, Deuteronomy chapter six. Hebrew would read this every, an Israelite would read this every single day, recite this every single day. Hear, O Israel, and that word is hear, but it also means obey. So it's a call every single day for a Jewish person, every single day to be reminded of this passage, and it starts with. Let me hear and let me obey. Let me show that God is my allegiance. Let me show that God is my Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. He is the only one and true God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your, what's he say? heart (laughs) here it is again the message of Jesus in the first century is the same message that God's been saying for all this time is that if you want to follow me you have to hear me and you have to obey me and that reality is not something that is just an intellectual pursuit it is a pursuit of your mind and your heart your very soul desiring to follow and trust God with everything you have here and obey here so the question we gotta, ask, we gotta ask ourselves is Jesus is asking you do you hear me do you hear me are you wanting to hear me are you pursuing my voice are you like a sheep that understands the shepherd's voice and comes running to the shepherd or are you following your own voice your own way And that pursuit oftentimes is is hard to distinguish. Is it it my voice, is it someone else's voice, or is it the Lord's voice? But Jesus says that if you are my sheep, you will know my voice. And there are so many different things that distract us. And the question we got to ask ourselves is, am I distracted? Am I listening? Am I hearing? Am I obeying? And nothing reminds me of this more than when I'm trying to get my children's attention. especially when they're on their Switch, their Nintendo Switch. In my impatient times, when my children are playing the Nintendo Switch, and I ask them, hey, come here, hey, I need your attention, and they do nothing, nothing infuriates me more. Parents, is there anybody else that has children that are distracted? Maybe it's Nintendo 64, maybe you're old school, I don't know. but then there's other times when they're like I asked them to do something okay but they don't do it they don't do what I'm asking them to do I got a couple of parents that are starting to understand what I'm putting down right are they really hearing me no my children distracted by Nintendo Switch but what about you what are you distracted by right now that the Lord is asking you to cut it out? What is taking over your allegiance? And are you willing to heed these warnings, to recognize that Jesus said, wide is the gate that many follow and it leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to life. Following Jesus His lordship over our lives, that free grace is so easy to take, but what we do with that grace, it's difficult. Difficult. When a world says, do this, do that, Jesus says, no, this is the path. Beware of false teachers that can lead you astray, that are motivated by things other than the Lord. Number three, If you follow me, you'll obey me. And it's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock and the foolish man builds his house on the sand. sand. What does it look like for you to begin the process of just evaluating and asking yourself this question? Will I build my life on Jesus' teaching? Will you be a part of his eternal kingdom? Building your life on Jesus requires you to hear him and obey him. Here's what I get excited about in regards to the life of our church right now. Yes, there are people that we meet with every single week where we are gently, lovingly helping them understand these warnings in regards to relationships. Relationships with their spouse and saying, listen, that's not what Jesus wants for you. This is what his word says. Would you be willing to trust your marriage with his word? Parents with their children, would you be willing to trust Jesus' word with your children? Conflict that's going on in the community, all sorts of different things. Week in, week out where we are, we are trying to help people follow and trust Jesus in the most difficult areas of society and life today. But here's what we also have. We also have people every week in staff meeting where we sit down and we go, how was the week? How was your week? What did Jesus show you? What is he doing? What is he up to? And as a staff team, we get to talk about People like Aaron who want to be baptized. And now his kids are thinking about getting baptized. People that say, I wanna I want to serve. Because Jesus calls me to serve. Because I want to help Jesus' church. I want to help in his kingdom, and I have gifts that I know that God's made me with, that I'm called to to give to him. People that are coming to groups and are opening up transparently and vulnerably about the wrestlings they have, about the obedience that they know they're called to live out, but at, at times they struggle. At times they choose the other voice. At times they aren't obedient and they come vulnerably and transparently and share of their life and they're surrounded by men and women as they fight addiction. We have people in our church that are walking beside men that are at a crossroads, that are on the brink of homelessness, and are doing everything in their power to help them choose the life that God has for them. Home groups that are that are recognizing that there are people hurting in their home group that aren't going to be able to pay rent and are saying, how can we help? Does the church have benevolence? Yes, we do. And then are going above and beyond and saying, we'll give even more to help them with their rent and help them get back on their feet. These people, these stories, these are the stories of people that are saying, I'm going to build my house on the rock. And that will last forever. Forever. How do we do this? It's us choosing to listen, to hear, and to obey Jesus' words. And to trust Him. No matter the pain, no matter the cost trust, and obey. And here's the thing. We can't do it alone. We need each other. Society's changing, if you haven't noticed. We've got to decide we're going to stand on the rock with all that we have, no matter the cost. As we get ready for communion this morning, I just want to invite you into conversation with Jesus to hear his voice. And as you've come this morning and you didn't grab the elements as you came in, but would like to take communion now, these amazing ladies would love to serve you the, the elements. Just raise your hand if you don't have a piece of bread and a cup of juice. They would love to give you the elements. Just keep your hand up as they make their way back. I just want you to have a conversation with Jesus about his voice and how have you been hearing, how have you been obeying? What are the warning signs that you need to take hold of in your own life? What is it that Jesus is inviting you to trust him in? And we'll take communion together here in a moment.